0: lights out and welcome back to the finishing first podcast as always i am your host frank skrajewski at the f609 joined once again from louisville kentucky my co-host mr michael o'burn
1: hi frank nice to see you on this uh on this fine monday monday evening how was your weekend
0: hot was definitely very hot tried to uh stay out of the heat as much as we could how about yourself
1: it was, it was good, uh, played a couple of rounds of golf, tried to get out early to uh, stay out of that afternoon heat, played poorly, went and got fitted for new irons, because obviously that was the problem, not me. He'll be in in four to six weeks, officially a Srixon guy, watched a little bit of F1. It was, a, uh, it was an interesting race weekend.
0: For sure, th- that it was. Um, so let's get right into it. France, Circuit Paul Ricard, what seemed to be maybe the final battle of the... 2022 f1 drivers championship we'll get into that a little bit later but just overall what'd you think of france mike
1: i don't like this track very much and i don't think the fia likes this track very much either um a lot of talks of this being potentially the last french grand prix at circuit paul ricard but the the race weekend itself i think provided some drama at some times it was it was okay I I would say as far as F1 races go coming off of uh, a British Grand Prix and an Austrian Grand Prix that were very, very exciting. I think uh, I think we had a little bit of a down week this week. If I uh, if I'm reading it uh, the way that I do,
0: I was going to say you kind of have to make that decision yourself but well
1: that's the decision that i made frank i think we had a little bit of a down weekend this week but coming off of great britain and austria we were bound to have a stinker of a weekend at least one one of these coming up weekends
0: yeah nevertheless i thought it was a pretty good grand prix for what it was it was exciting you got some twists and turns in there like you seem to get on any f1 race these twists and turns kind of highlight more because they affect the top two drivers and top two teams so it always makes for a more interesting situation when uh you have a dnf from the lead like we did this weekend but yeah it's a weird track it's france everything's weird about france so get them off the schedule we already got monaco it's basically france
1: basically yeah and uh it it seems like this probably is going to be the last race that we see at circuit par ricard
0: so Mike, let's get right into the weekend here. Um, I will read down the qualifying results and we'll get right into a little qualifying coverage. Charles Leclerc puts it on poll. Max Verstappen coming in second, the 1-2. Uh, it's been pretty standard throughout the season so far. Sergio Perez in third, Lewis Hamilton in fourth, Lando Norris in fifth, George Russell, Fernando Alonso, Yuki Tsunoda, Carlos Sainz, and Kevin Magnuson. Uh, we'll start right with uh, the two ninth and 10th place qualifiers in Sainz and Magnuson, both of them qualifying ninth and 10th because they only made it to Q3 just to not even put in a lap time for Q3. Both of them took engine penalties and were forced to start at the back of the grid. What that doesn't say is Carlos Sainz did a great job trying to tow Charles Leclerc down to make sure he was on pole and put it on pole and that's what he absolutely did. He did a phenomenal job both times, uh, giving him a great slip screen coming out of that uh second middle sector. So it worked for Ferrari to get uh what they need to get done at a place where the pole sitter has won the last three to four races, I'm pretty sure.
1: Yeah, I'm I, I think uh our our fans, if we have any, including uh Mr. Tom Ricardy, are gonna be a little bit uh surprised and maybe excited by some of the commentary that I'm going to have this week about Carlos Sainz in general. Uh, You referenced uh, Q3, Carlos Sainz coming out and providing a a toe for Charles Leclerc to take pole position. And I I don't even think it's debatable. I don't think if he doesn't give him that toe that Charles ends up on pole. Uh, Max did look very quick in qualifying, so it was definitely a very good teammate thing to do. Uh, It was weird watching a qualifying session and really the main story being two guys that we know are going to start P19 and P20 and just when they're in the garage and when they're not in the garage and when they're out and who's trying to post a lap time ahead of them. It doesn't seem that important in the long run, and it probably wasn't, but I feel like that was what I was paying attention to for the majority of qualifying for better or for worse.
0: Yeah, no, normally we would have a lot more banter and a little bit more of a recap for Q1 and Q2 practice, qualifying as a whole, and I really do not have much. Um, I The one thing I actually wrote down was nothing happened. Other than the two engine penalties, you kind of get set up there through that uh, top 10 order in a pretty standard way. Uh, some big names missing were the two hometown boys in Pierre Gasly and Esteban Acon, both Missing out on Q3, Gasly out in Q1, and Acon, uh, I think, qualified in 12th. So both not a strong showing for the two Frenchmen in their home Grand Prix. It just didn't seem to work out.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, ultimately, I think something coming into this weekend, interesting that a lot of people were on Acon, and I know I referenced it going into... Uh, the week last week of, I was on Akan in the uh, Austrian Grand Prix, and then I didn't take him. And then I was like, well, I can't take him in the French Grand Prix now. I didn't realize, uh, it, we'll, we'll talk about the finishing results a little bit later, but th- these were the first points that Esteban Acon's ever scored in the in the French Grand Prix. So, not doesn't necessarily perform very well at this track in general. As for other notes in qualifying, I think Q1, really the only thing of note is uh, Mick Schumacher uh, getting a track, uh, a lap time deleted and not making it out of Q1. Would have made it out of Q1 had he not had that lap time deleted, but ends up uh, getting bumped down to P19 at that time. I don't remember where he finished.
0: Yeah, no, he finished, he finished the 19th.
1: OK, yeah. So so that happening, I feel like there was something else to uh, shout out Yuki Tsunoda. He had a pretty good qualifying as well. You don't often see him in Q3 and he made uh, he made his Q3 appearance this week as well.
0: It seems like a lot of people were paying attention to free practice three. Alex Albon had a very strong showing in free practice three. We did have the most actually the two most uh, selected drivers this week so were both Williams drivers and Nicholas Latifi and Alex Albon. So people were paying attention to Albon. He was quick in free practice, made it out of Q1, but wasn't able to uh, make it any further, finishing qualifying in 15th. All right, Mike, since there wasn't too much else to cover in qualifying, we'll move right into the race. As always, I'll run down the race results here. Max Verstappen takes the win and extends his championship lead. Lewis Hamilton and George Russell to uh, have a double podium for the Mercedes. Checo Perez in fourth. Carlos Sainz, Fernando Alonso in sixth. Lando Norris, Esteban Ocon scoring the aforementioned first points in the French Grand Prix for the Frenchman. Daniel Ricciardo in ninth and Lance Stroll rounding out the pack. Initial thoughts on the race in the French Grand Prix?
1: Uh, just another like really disappointing week for, for the Ferrari team. Charles uh crashing out of the out of the race in the lead. Carlos Sainz and the Ferrari strategist making another classic appearance out on the racetrack, clearly not knowing what they're doing. Um, it was It's insane every time we get to a race weekend and we like we're like, there's no way Ferrari could possibly do worse than they have from a strategy standpoint. And they find new ways every week to surprise us.
0: It's truly unbelievable from Charles's turnout to Carlos's pit stop. All of it just seems like an absolute circus there for the uh, team from Italy. So, let's get right into the start of the race. Uh, We got a pretty clean start, which was kind of unexpected, so it was good to see a clean start. Charles gets away pretty quickly. Lewis jumps right up to third, and uh, away we're go. Yuki Tsunoda spins out on lap one. Espin Akon given a five-second penalty for the contact. Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo jumped up to seventh and eighth, respectively. The most interesting thing from lap one and two was Kevin Magnuson. Uh, Kevin Magnuson started, as we mentioned before, in 19th due to a power unit replacement and jumped seven spots in two laps from 19th to 12th. It was extremely impressive to see him fly right up that leaderboard. But just as I say that, nine laps later, Carlos Sainz is able to jump Kevin Magnuson from 20th all the way to 12th. So you could see the pace Between the Haases and the Ferraris were able to just get right through the field. Magnussen was a little more impressive going through that first lap, but the power difference between these teams from the midfield to the back of the pack is just unmatched.
1: Yeah, no, I I think I had the same reaction as you did, Frank. It was really impressive to see the way that kevin magnuson started this race jumping up as far as he did and you couldn't help but look kind of at the back of that pack and wonder what carlos Sainz was doing but i think it was just a little bit of patience and understanding the position that he was in staying out of danger knowing what happens on the first laps of these of these grand Prix and just staying where he needed to be until he was more comfortable making a move and that's exactly what he did a shout out to uh Fernando Alonso, he had a great start as well, jumped up into, into P5. He had a really good start. Really disappointing situation for Yuki Tsunoda. Normally, I am not one to say nice things about Yuki Tsunoda, but I think he he got jobbed here, Esteban Akan, with some pretty significant contact. And we saw once he was eventually retired later on in the race that he had a giant hole in the side of his car from that contact, which was never able to recover from it and spoiled what could have been a potentially special weekend for him.
0: Yeah, that is a shame. Kevin Magnuson pits early. They have Gunther Steiner come on and say, wow, you guys are going for the two stop strategy, pitting this early for Kevin Magnuson. Gunther basically says, I don't really know what we're doing. I'm not really sure why he's pitting. We don't really have a strategy, which I thought was extremely interesting over a national broadcast. And that was basically the story of the Haases for that. Um, Kevin Magnus eventually DNFs, I'm pretty sure. Their two-stop strategy had no shot at working, even in the slightest. So it was a disappointing weekend for what was a great start for the Haas team.
1: Kevin Magnussen does end up DNFing in this race. I think it's worth mentioning. I think the one surprising thing is we saw coming into this race, or we thought coming into this race, given how hot the track temps were, that everybody was going to be on a two-stop strategy. And it was just a question of when you were going to stop first. Even still, that was a really early stop for both the Haas cars and it proved to be a fatal mistake in the long run.
0: Yeah. So I was actually, I actually took a different looking to that. Um, About every race so far this year, they've kind of said a one-stop is going to be the fastest, and it's always evolved into a Mm two-stop. And it was very interesting to see that, like you said, I would have thought with the heat, the tires, um, I'm pretty sure some issues that they had last year here were tire-related as well. So I was anticipating the two-stop strategy as well, but it actually held to a one-stop, and uh, it worked out for um, our leader, so, Max Verstappen pits on lap seven or 16, um, all the way down to 7th. It just, it seemed like an early pit, but they weren't really doing much behind the Ferrari. Max, after an initial push to try to get Charles to burn up some tires, was kind of just sitting in dirty air behind Charles for the rest of the race. On lap 18, Charles Leclerc spins out. Um, coming around turn 11, he loses the back end on a uh, crescent turn and just... Completely spins out, ends up nose first into the barrier. So much to say about a crash from a man who has now had his third DNF while leading a race this season. Someone who was in second place of the Drivers' Championship. A slimmer of hope coming in here if they were to get a win and continue down this uh, momentum streak to have a real shot at this and a unexcused crash into the wall by a race leader is never something you want to see and that's kind of the tale of ferrari this season
1: yeah i mean inexcusable crash uh, i don't think there's any other way to put it i think char charles said as much in his, his post race or i should say his in race presser because he was giving it while the race was actually going on Obviously, very heated in the uh, cockpit of that car. Uh, one of the <laughs> one of the funnier, I think, radio radio clips we've seen this season with him just huffing and puffing, and then letting out a big old scream.
0: The yell, the yell to be heard around the world. <laughs>
1: it, it really was. Um, but let's uh, let's let's play a little bit of devil's advocate here and talk about kind of. I, I think my initial thoughts in the moment before I. S- I really internalized what happened was Charles was complaining about tire deg for four, five, six laps prior to that. And he he granted he should not have pushed the car the way that he did. But if your driver who's in the lead is telling you that he has tire deg and he has no like ability to control his car and you're in the lead, like, how long are you gonna keep him out there? like at a certain i i mean it's charles fault but also i don't think that the ferrari team is
0: i think you're completely misspoken on this
1: i i mean i don't i don't know he he was complaining about it for quite a few laps before it actually yeah, happened but then
0: then his teammate goes 30 laps on a pair of medium tires overtaking running it hard using grip and seemingly had no problem and we'll get into the, that a little bit later on a uh, why the Ferrari decided to pick Carlos signs, but I I don't see I don't see the relevance there. Um, you know why you you complain about tire deg because you're pushing too hard and tire management's a portion of this sport. And to be in the lead, you have to do that. And I just don't I I yeah I don't see the relevance of him complaining about it.
1: I mean, it's a portion of the sport. I think you just need to react in the situation that you have. I'm, I'm fully saying it's Charles's fault. He knew he had the amount of degradation that he had. He shouldn't have pushed the car around the corner the way that he pushed that car around the corner. But I think it also speaks to like what you have to do in the beginning of the race to make sure you don't end up in that position.
0: Yeah, that falls into Max's plan and exactly what the Red Bulls wanted to do. And then in turn, exactly what the Ferraris wanted to do when they basically forced Max to pit. Um, that early because of him just riding in dirty air. So it's a cat and mouse game there with um, when to use your tires, when to force the other guy to use his tires. But on lap 18, leading a Grand Prix with no real pressure behind you because the real driver you are racing is dropped down to seventh now. It's completely inexcusable.
1: It's completely inexcusable. I completely agree. I think the only counterpoint that I have is... If it's that bad and you have to pit, it's better to pit and finish P2, P3 than it is to not and end up in the wall and DNF.
0: Yeah, and we'll go into that a little bit r- later where Carlos signs. Um, right after the crash, obviously comes out a safety car. Um, they have some pit craziness, everybody getting in trying to switch tires out. Max retains the lead, or actually moves back into the lead as everybody pits. Lewis Hamilton into second. Carlos Sainz is given a five-second penalty for an unsafe release. Um, It was not pretty coming out of that pit lane. It seemed to have an issue with dropping the car after the tires were changed. And he pulls out right in front of Alex Albon's Williams. Alex Albon has to slam on the brakes. And McLaren pit worker almost gets nailed with the nose of Carlos Sainz's vehicle. And you really could have had some mayhem there. So I think it was a very just penalty given for the Ferrari team another just classic slip up from Ferrari signs is to blame at times but that's a whole pit crew situation there that uh they're the ones triggering the release so bad on them as well this is where things get interesting as carlos signs is the only driver on medium tires for the duration of the race after this pit stop lap 41 carlos signs passes perez into third he has now moved through the field from 20th to 3rd. And as he's making this move on Perez, after chasing him for 5 to 10 laps,
1: Asking for a pit pit stop. Asking for a pit
0: stop. Ferrari tells him to pit mid-move, mid-corner. It was, once again, completely just bonkers.
1: and An unfathomable unfathomable situation like you would never like were they watching like did they know where he was on the track and what was going on he was like two tenths of a second behind checo perez before that happens like even in that situation if he's still behind him like why are you like you had so many opportunities to pick carlos signs prior to that like an extra two or three laps isn't going to make a difference once he's already in front once he's in the The process of making that move is the worst time to make that call and then you can make an argument that it's equally as stupid like once he gets in front like immediately when he gets in front of Checo like let him get let him get some air prior to kind of making that call let him go one like you've already gone that far you might as well go one or two more laps like it it it's just an absolutely inexcusable error from the Ferrari team who knows what it would have meant from like a finishing position. If they left him out there towards the end of the race, maybe he slips and goes into the wall too. I, I don't know. But like, if well, you're so going to make that call to go in, like just make the call to go in before he passes Checo.
0: Yeah. And it's not even that it's just a little bit of strategy there. Um Carlos Sainz is asking for a pit stop around lap 38. He's been on his medium tires for right around 20 laps there, which is, Right in the average of a stint for a medium tire, um, you go much longer than that. It You do run the risk of extreme tire degradation and maybe even a, uh, a pop tire. But there's only 10 laps to go by the time we get to lap 41. They had plenty of time to understand what was going on, check his rates. He was chasing Perez for a while at that point. So make that call then when he is asking for it because then you give him the opportunity to take the pit stop and then at least have a couple more laps on the end to try to make some more passes. Once he takes that pit after passing Perez, he is essentially out of the race. He made one or two moves and then was 20 seconds behind Perez and Russell fighting for 3rd and 4th at the time. So he was guaranteed 5th, which to what, to your point earlier to to what your point earlier, I understand the reasoning to secure points, but in a situation where Leclerc has just DNF'd, what did those points matter to them? I I can't see a position where those points actually matter to Ferrari at the end of the year. What is that? 10 points I think you get for fifth?
1: Well, I mean, I I think I tend to disagree, Frank. I think they do matter and not from the standpoint of fighting for a constructor's championship, but making sure that Mercedes doesn't pull, pull the second, which they very well might, might as well. Anyway, they, they are right there with the Ferraris.
0: I haven't seen enough there to even, uh, anticipate. I think Ferrari's got like a 40 point lead on him currently. So I don't really see the value there. He was going to stay clear of Perez and Russell with, for the five second penalty. I think you push the extra 10 laps and just see what happens.
1: Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know whether or not you do push him to the end of that ra- to the end of that race or not. As far as those ten points are concerned, though, you are right; they are forty-four points clear of uh, the Mercedes for second place in the constructors' championship right now. But I don't, I don't know. I don't think Mercedes is out of it from that second place position, especially considering the changes that the FIA are going to make to the the floors of some of these teams' cars coming forward uh, in the future. Ferrari's already said that they're going to have to make changes, and Mercedes has said that they're compliant with the the new regulations that the FIA are going to put into place. So. You never know. The Ferraris are looking stronger. I'm sorry. The Mercedes are looking stronger and stronger every week.
0: Yep, absolutely. So lap 43 signs pits, falls from third all the way down to ninth, is able to climb back up pretty easily through um, ninth, eighth, seventh, and then has a little trouble getting in the sixth and fifth. But with the grip he had on tires and the speed that the Ferrari had, he had no problem passing Fernando Alonso and getting into fifth place where he remained um, lap 51, Joe Yu has a crash um, that pulls out a virtual safety car. By this point, Max and Lewis were pretty much stuck in one and two. Max was pulling away from Lewis. Lewis really had no answer for him. But the Mercedes and other Red Bull had quite the battle going for third place at that time. Checo was um, holding third place and George Russell was chasing for probably 20 laps at that point. George Russell plays a little cat-and-mouse game, a little game of chicken with um, Sergio Perez, catches Perez sleeping on the restart of the virtual safety car and passes him on the, I think, last second-to-last turn into um, the pitch straight and is easily in third and is able to pull away and maintain third. Pretty much anything else, it goes finishing order. Um, last note would be of uh, Lance Stroll and... Sebastian Vettel just going balls to the wall for tenth place on the final lap to make contact into the final turn, basically.
1: Yeah, almost ended in disaster for both of them. But yeah, it was it was a cool little little jockeying for position that uh, Ru- uh, George Russell and Checo Perez had coming down the stretch there. Russell irate over radio talking about a maneuver that he made that sent uh, Checo off the track. I don't fully understand it, but apparently some rule about where you are coming into chicanes uh, and your ability to block out other drivers, so on and so forth. But he blocks out Sergio Perez, Perez goes off the track and stays ahead of him. Russell's complaining that he needs to give back the position. FIA says he's not going to give back the position. He's screaming Toto Wolf making an appearance over the radio, basically telling George to chill the fuck out. You're going to catch him anyway. (laughs) Like, don't worry about it. Just go get him, which he eventually does.
0: So I'll only comment on this because you brought it up. The whining is unbelievable at this point. Uh, You've mentioned Leclerc whining over radio. Russell whining over radio. We know Max has a great track record of. uh, Not Max. Yeah, exactly. So is it. The new generation of driver, you do hear a lot of Lewis banter, um, back and forth, um, over the last two seasons. I've heard at least, uh, signs as well, but signs basically arguing for his life out there, it seems. So that's a whole different story. But the George Russell went on for three or four laps and the team principal has to come on and basically, like you said, tell you to shut up and put your head down and race. Like you, you're still in this. It, it's, it's becoming hard to watch at times to, enjoy these in a sport that they are experts in and dominate and at the highest level, just whine like little kids is it's resembling the NBA at this point.
1: Frank, are you old man yelling at cloud or are you asking everybody to get off your lawn?
0: I'm just telling these kids to shut up and like race. Like <laughs> that. It's, it's I just fair. don't understand I, how you can be going 200 miles an hour whining the whole way around a lap. It's, it's incredible he can I think, do that, honestly, he can walk and tie his shoes. Like
1: I think it's, fa- I think it's fair. I find it wildly entertaining and funny. D- to your question of is it, is it these new drivers? Uh, Sebastian Vettel told his race crew to leave him alone over the radio.
0: No, that was Stroll
1: <laughs> or Stroll. I'm sorry, told, that was it was Lance Stroll. Yeah, I told him to leave him alone over the radio. That was very very funny.
0: There was actually um, a lot of Lance Stroll uh, banter over the radio and a lot of coverage on Lance Stroll. Most he's had all season.
1: Well, and des- deservedly, deservedly hey, so. He's not fighting point, for points very often. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, no, it was it was very funny coming down the stretch there. I, I think um, as a last note for me, just because we really haven't mentioned his name except for a couple one-off comments that didn't really have anything to do with the race, Lewis Hamilton, P2, and quiet while doing it.
0: Driver of the day. My selection showed out. Yeah, no, he, he really did. You called it
1: a little bit earlier. Well, you, you said that in a previous episode that he has an opportunity to win a race which he very well still might he was actually um,
0: my i actually picked him to win this race um last episode i said that was gonna be my bold prediction uh, didn't actually come close but he came as close as he can
1: yeah no for 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 sure and uh, we almost had enough wonky shit happen for for him to win that race and good good pull out of you he he quietly had a very very good race here at circuit Paul ricard
0: I couldn't agree more. All right, Mike, that will wrap it up for our race recap of the French Grand Prix at Circuit Ball Ricard. We will go right into our pool recap. This week had a a new first place participant crowned in Mr. Corey Cook. Michael O'Byrne falls down to second. Yours truly bumps up to third with a strong Lewis Hamilton second place finish. Daniel Shuck in fourth, Charlene Bryce in fifth, Liam Callahan in sixth, Sean Hutton in seventh, Tom Riccardi in eighth, Gino up into ninth, and Yorin making his first uh, appearance on the top 10 this week. A lot happened. Um, We were really spread out across the board here, Mike, with selections this week. I think this is going to kind of happen moving forward because people are going to have to start making picks not track specific but are gonna to have to start making picks a little bit further down or um some of those people who still have not taken big names only may move into that spot
1: yeah for sure not not a lot of points scored this week huh
0: no not at all um we had a michael schumacher pierre gasly guan Zhou had two as i said both uh michael- williams drivers in. um Oh, sorry. Mick Schumacher had one. Um, Would Latifi have been cool if Al-
1: Michael raced this week, though.
0: Yeah, right. Latifi and Albon both had four each. Um, that's due to no picks. And I think one person was just on Latifi. Ocon with one. Ricardo with one. Botas with one. So those are all no points finishers there. Lando Norris um, had two. George Russell had two. One person, Hartchell Russell Clare. My cousin is an idiot. Um, and then uh, me and Megan Hunt both had Lewis Hamilton. So it was a good week uh to make up some points on um a lot of zeros out there. I was especially happy with the P2 and extra three points from where most people got Lewis at, at the British GP with his 15 points in the third place finish. So I was uh, appreciative of that. Who'd you have this week?
1: I was on Mr. Daniel Ricardo.
0: Okay, so you got some he points got- there.
1: He got points. If you get points yeah. out of Daniel Ricciardo this year, I think it's a good pick. So I'll take it. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, really coming in here to its own. We do have uh, one more race before the summer break. Only 10 races left. So it will be interesting to see. Um, I'm sure we still have uh, a lot of wild cards out there. I I know a couple people still have Verstappen and Leclerc in the hole to uh, maybe th- throw out there. And get a win out of so it will be uh, interesting to see where these points and where these people really start to bump up and move.
1: Yeah, no, I I was taking a look at kind of where a lot of people at least at the top of the pack were sitting as far as selections where they're taken and it it is, it is really wide open it's hard to tell what's what's going to happen. I know myself I've taken a lot of hashtag big names only. I took a look at our new leader, Mr. Corey Cook. He has taken all the hashtag big names only. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know specifically where you sit, Frank. I think you have a few more names that you have available to take. Uh, so, uh,
0: signs. Signs is my only one left now.
1: I, I think I have George Russell. That's, really the, okay. that's yeah. really the one name that I have to take. So it's if you haven't taken a lot of hashtag big names only, then you are you are definitely still in this hunt.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. And th- the way it's looking, it's going to be really tough to see any race winners that aren't from a Red Bull or a Ferrari moving into the rest of the year. That's all we've seen so far and I have no inclination to think that anything might change that. Even in a race like the French Grand Prix was where we did have um one starting from the complete back, another one having a terrible day, a DNF from the race leader, still there's one more Red Bull or Ferrari and, um in this instance to be out on the track and Max wasn't going to give that up so I I don't know where these Mercedes might come in and sneak one out um going into the Hungarian Grand Prix where last year Esteban Ocon gets his maiden uh, victory in F1 and pulls out a absolute stunning win it'll be interesting to see if we even get one of these uh surprise wins on the season or is it just going to be the Perez and signs surprise wins and the rest is all max or charl
1: yeah no I, I i'll take it even one step further i don't know if we're going to see another car on the podium that's not a red bull ferrari or a mercedes it's just hard to envision a scenario where you get one of these midfield teams getting on the podium i think the last time we saw one was lando norris like the third race of the season, it was. Yeah. It's it's been it's been a long time, and it might be a long uh, time coming, moving forward. The McLarens just continue to make my preseason, uh, or not preseason, but beginning of the season prediction look worse and worse with Alpine overtaking them in the
0: constructors championship. There's just no stopping Alonso at this point.
1: He is a man on a mission.
0: I can't believe I have a DNF from Fernando Alonso this year. Where I think he got, he might have finished, but he got like nineteenth like he is he's just, a, he literally finishes in fifth every race
1: no fucks given just it's
0: yeah balls to the wall like absolutely he's, fit, he's fifth or sixth every race and he's just and he's yeah we, we mentioned it last episode he's just an old man out there just showing little boys what's up and actually it was kind of surprising because he did have a great race but he didn't do anything where he flipped somebody off or did a full wheel spin or argued with the FIA or made a pre-race comment. So it was actually a very tame Fernando Alonso week for uh, all intents and purposes.
1: He did do the thing where he backed up the entire pack again, though. I think, I think Carlos Sainz was 20 seconds clear of of Fernando yeah. Alonso when I think he, he said he was playing
0: a chess yeah. game out there with everybody and like, and it's working. It's, it's absolutely crazy that he just has the ability to keep people behind him and create gaps he needs and then um, take off and really uh, separate himself when he uh, needs to. So yeah. um, good for him and uh, good for the Alpines.
1: Yeah. Another note on Fernando Alonso. He actually passed uh Kimi Raikkonen's uh, record for most laps completed in a career. Eight, that 18,629. Is when he yeah. uh, when he set that record. So good for good for Fernando.
0: Yeah, one of the best to ever do it. All right, Mike. Um, do you have anything else on uh, the standings or the pool for that matter? Or are we just going to move right into Hungary? Standings or the pool? No,
1: not really. Like I said, it's it's wide open. I think just one one last note for the race. Like just a really disappointing weekend for the Haas team. I, I think this was a weekend where they thought. They were going to come in. We we mentioned it earlier. They were making upgrades this week. It's not always a, a good thing that a team makes an upgrades in the race directly afterwards. And I don't think it wasn't a good week for the reasons that a team normally make up makes upgrades and we get like a like a DNF due to like mechanical issues or something like that. They just weren't very good. Bad strategy weren't very good.
0: Yeah, no. And still have the pace. So, yeah, um, it's just uh, ironing those things out and really figuring out that. They are the best midfield team that isn't, I guess, McLaren or um, Alpine at the current moment. And they need to start acting like it and then get into the rhythm of where we're talking about them being disappointing for finishing eighth and ninth.
1: The Alfa Romeos are ahead of them in the drivers, st- in the constructors, with Joe Guan Yu finishing like three races.
0: He's got points in the two races he finished, though.
1: Yeah, that's true. I'm just, it, and it's not particularly close either. It's uh, Alpha has 51 points and Haas is 34.
0: Yeah, which is very surprising. So um, the Haas really need to get it together and start uh, producing like they should. This is not a team that's in the back of the pack. Like uh, previous years, the sorry American team uh, struggling for money. This is a team that has a car to compete and uh, they have two drivers that seem like they can um, drive and seem like they can compete with uh the rest of the field. So, they need to uh, continue to make consistency a priority for the rest of the year.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I guess one last, last note, since we mentioned the alpha is just like a real shit week for Valtteri Botas.
0: That's yeah, it. Do this, just you a do this bad week. Like all, you do this all the time. One last, last note. You have a yeah, last, I mean, last he, note to every note.
1: Yeah. It was just a bad week. We're talking about, if you took Valtteri Botas, even, you I'm were either. very, just dis- all right, we're let's connect it pool. back to the pool. Let's connect it back to the pool. If you took Valtteri Botas this week, you were yeah. very disappointed. He had a terrible week.
0: I feel bad, too. We saw a movie uh, two weeks ago with uh, with Tom, and Tom was like, oh, I have everything planned out. I'm super excited. I'm <laughs> taking Botas at the French Grand Prix. I really feel confident about this. And I was like, oh, like yeah, I might go walk I'm thinking like the Frenchman or, and made a comment about Lewis. And he's like, no, I think I'm, I'm locked in on Botas. And I was like, damn, that sucks. Because he's <laughs> certainly going to be a person this year that, um, like Alonso, it's, it might really come back to bite me in the butt for having somebody who finishes in five, six, get those points. And then you have another race where you just get zero. And that's, that's a pretty big swing from somebody you're expecting points from.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I have Valtteri Botas left to take, and I am not exactly excited that I still have him left. Like, I don't know if he's going to get a better result towards the end of the season than he got. Cause he, he had a good, he had a good Start, stretch yeah. at the beginning of the
0: season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And they, and they don't seem particularly strong, uh, coming down the stretch here. So it'll be interesting to see what happens after the summer break. Uh, The summer break last year produced a winner in Daniel Ricciardo coming out and McLaren looking strong um, for a couple races. So who knows uh, what teams might be able to do and produce uh, with nine races left after uh, we get through Hungary here. And, Mike, right on that, we will go to the Hungarian Grand Prix. The Hungarian Grand Prix will uh, be this upcoming weekend, July 29th. On Friday, will be free practice 1 at 8 o'clock, followed by free practice 2 at 11 o'clock. Saturday, July 30th, we'll have free practice 3 at 7 a.m. And qualifying, where your picks will need to be in by 10 a.m., the race on Sunday, July 31st, will be at 9 a.m. A very similar schedule to last weekend for the French Grand Prix. The Hunger Ring, I think it is called, as it is known. It's awesome actually. Um, It's just as dumb of a name um, to produce uh, what's going to be a a super interesting track. Uh, We're looking at 70 laps here, uh, a very short track with a minute 15 around, one DRS zone, and what looks like 14 turns. Um, Like I said, it's a very short track. A couple, um, two real straights, um, maybe like more one and a half and kind of a, a slow uh, high-speed corner mix here. So it could really um, open up some craziness. You'll see a lot of um, lapped cars, I would assume. And if it's anything like 2021 was, um, you might see some craziness. Um, our 2021 results, as I mentioned earlier, were Esteban Ocon taking his maiden victory. In Formula One with a Lewis Hamilton second and a Carlos Sainz third. Carlos Sainz and Lewis Hamilton only bumping up in the podium to their respective places because Sebastian Vettel was disqualified after the race, after finishing in second place for not being able to produce a fuel sample. It seems that they want to make sure that there's fuel in these cars once they get out of there and they were not able to produce any or enough of a fuel sample, which led to... Such a a weird...
1: I mean, I get it, but like... Such a weird thing. Like, yeah, you would think like perfect fuel strategy, but like, no, instead,
0: it might matter just on how much you're really burning off. And if you have those numbers correct, because I'm sure there's a lot of exact science. I know these guys like to ride the light at the end of the races to really pick up speed and chase those fastest laps. So I don't really remember this race per se. I think I got in like right after the summer break last year. So I don't know if I was watching this. I remember um, them this being a big deal when Acon won. And uh, it really shaking up uh, the F1 world to see somebody else on the podium, especially back then when it wasn't Mercedes or Hamilton or Mercedes and Red Bull. So I think we're really going to enjoy ourselves here. I think it's going to be a good cap for what is uh, the semi half year split for the F1 calendar. It kind of had a couple different uh, styles of racing uh, throughout this European summer swing. So um, the hunger ring with a, a very quick circuit around and um some interesting track history might uh produce a uh, a great race to send us off on the month break maybe
1: uh one thing to look out for and uh, it's probably a little too early to tell at this point but rain in the forecast as of right now so something to look out for going into this weekend
0: all right mike um do you have any um hot takes or any selections here who do you think you're looking at the pool who do you think you have a uh, winning this race
1: Maybe not that hot of a take considering what's happened the last couple of Grand Prix. but I think we get anywhere between four and six DNFs in this race. If the weather is going to be bad uh, and it's going to be a quick track, that is a recipe for people going into walls. Uh, I think that is going to impact my strategy going into this race. It helps that I don't have a ton of big names to take, but this might be one that I consider... Uh, kind of thrown by the wayside, maybe take on a Nicholas Latifi or something like that from what I understand. Well, I actually, I, I think this is a big bounce back week for Charles Leclerc. I think he's motivated. I think he understands the gravity of what happened and won't take it lightly. So if I'm going to pick a winner, it's going to be Charles Leclerc. But as far as a hot take is concerned, I mean, I, I think we're going to see a lot of DNFs in this race, especially if the the tracks wet.
0: Yeah, so uh, last year's race that led to the S-Men Acon win was a, uh, a pretty major crash that took out about five cars um, in the rain. And then on the restart, everyone switched to medium tires and Lewis Hamilton in the lead was on intermediates. That was the wrong call. Acon pulled right away. Lewis Hamilton is forced to pit all the way back to 19th makes his way all the way back up into third and then eventually second with the penalty. So this was a track that gave uh, that got some interesting play because of a crash, because of some weather. So if we have that in the mix again, it really could uh, shake things up again. And I would be very excited to that, having uh, some people lower on my radar that I'm going to have to take. And if I have to take one of them, I'm just hoping for chaos and that my guy don't got, doesn't get caught up in the chaos.
1: Yeah, no, I feel that. I I don't necessarily want to put this out in the atmosphere, but I I feel like I have to now. It's been it's been a minute since Max Verstappen didn't finish a race. We're just oh, going yeah. we're just gonna oh, throw yeah. that out there.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Um, it's it's impressive what they've done. You just saw you, the French Grand Prix reminded you why Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton are the two biggest stars in F one. They race. They race hard. They race smart, and it's just calm, cool, collective. Like there was never a doubt; those two weren't finishing one and two after Charles uh, put that into the wall. It's just it's so calculated, it's so thorough, and it's um professional is exactly what it is. And you just you can see that in that Red Bull team that they, I think they took it personal, um, being down sixty some points exiting Australia this year, and really got their car figured out and Max and Sergio both have raced consistently well and really shown that we're not here to mess around. We're the best and we're going to continue to prove it. So I think somebody asked me last week if I thought it was still over. And I think I answered uh, that I still did. And it's ever more evident now.
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, I think now things, uh, things become a lot more clear if Charles wins that race, we—I mean—a a, one-two, Charles, Charles and Max. I mean, it doesn't chip too much off of the standings, but it builds that—it mo- builds that momentum. It would have been the fourth Ferrari win in a row, but now I—what th- are they? They're like seventy something points
0: clear. All right, Mike, you have anything else on uh, the week that was? Anything to look forward to?
1: N- nothing that I haven't said already. Uh, I—I'm not a particularly a huge fan of this track. I think. It it gave us a good it gave us a an okay race but I guess my question back to you would be if Charles doesn't crash into the wall are you heralding this as like a race that gave us some fireworks or are you on the same page as me
0: Oh yeah no no it was a terrible race for like yeah that's the only reason why it was cool is because the leader crashed and I also had you know a super rooting interest with Lewis getting in second there but. It is what it is, but um, yeah, I won't be sad to see France go.
1: Au revoir, France. I used to work for a French company. People forget that. Selling, shout out the fish bottles.
0: Selling fish shampoo. Um, as for me, Hungary. Um, I'll go with you. I think Leclerc um comes back for vengeance and uh, really goes after it. Who I'm going to take? Yeah, crapshoot. Um, so down far down the list here, it's just going to be look for a point, see who's fast on the weekend, but. It'll be interesting to see what the uh, track produces because it's such a a different track than what we just saw in France. So it will be fun. All right, Mike, uh, that's going to close it out for another episode of the Finishing First podcast. As always, uh, I am your host, Mr. Frank Skrujewski, at the F609. Make sure to give us a like and a follow, Finishing First on Twitter. Mike, anything on your way out? Nah. Love it. (laughs)
1: See you, France.
0: Watching a little baseball, little O's on the TV. So uh, like a bunt down a uh, first baseline. Push, 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 push. Like when do the Saudis just completely take over?
1: Uh, I mean, I will be on record if the Saudis want to pay me a hundred million dollars. I will do the Saudi F1 podcast. I will. I will be on record. I will do that.
0: Do they like your kind over there?
1: No, (laughs) no, 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 no. We are strictly prohibited.